Welcome back, Tiger fans, to Rockin' Nation's football podcast. I'm Nate Edwards. That's Brandon BK Kylie. This is Before the Box Score, square in the middle of March Madness, or at least the month of March. Basketball's happening. Football's doing spring practices. It's basically March Madness. BK, I hear our basketball team is good. What do you think? How are you doing? Uh, they're very good. Not great, but very good. And they had one hell of a season. Uh, a lot of people are very mad right now that Dennis Gates was not named SEC Coach of the Year. A lot of people very mad that Demoy Hodge was not named Defensive Player of the Year, but more so that he was not at least on the all-defensive team. Nate Edwards, your take. I mean, Missouri's defense wasn't all that great, right? No, but he broke the single-season steal record, which kind of feels eh. like it matters. Uh... I, I would have had him on the all-defensive team. I I do not think he should have been named Defensive Player of the Year. The SEC steal record or the Mizzou steal record? The Mizzou steal record. And I think he was third in the country in steals. Oh, jeez. Oh. He had a very good defensive season by, like, those metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're looking at, like, when he defended people, how did they perform defensively? <laughs> Maybe that wasn't necessarily his game, yeah. but, you know, hey. Neither here nor yeah. there. He stole the ball a lot. We like that. I mean, look. That's kind of the the whole idea behind their exactly. defense. Exactly. I it's like it's think of the late aughts Oregon, right? They just ran warp speed offense and they needed to pick you off twice and return for touchdowns and then it was game over. Right. They could do that. They were they were cooking with fire. So, you know, I get it. You can be good in defense in a lot of different ways. Obviously we are homers and think that, you know, Dennis is the best and Des Moines is one of the better, you know, pickpocketers out there. Like, okay, I get it. But I also read that the team seems pretty steamed, that they are, you know, um, actually disrespected as opposed to the Georgia fabricated disrespect. So, hey, you know, if they go and win the SEC tournament or make it to the Final Four, I think we'll all be fine with those slights. Um, But, yeah, go do that. That'd be nice. So good luck to the Squeaky Hoops Tigers. I'm rooting for you you from afar. You're you're sucking up all the energy, man. Like, all the oxygen about Mizzou sports, it's going to basketball. And that's fine. I like that basketball is good again. But we also got a football team that's doing stuff. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Take a little time. Really, this is going to be kind of a headlines show. There's been a lot that's happened since we last spoke with you all. And we're just going to touch on the big things that happened so far. Give our commentary. Kind of remind you what's happened so far in the Mizzou zeitgeist as far as football. And we'll get the heck out of here. It'll be a successful March show. So... Let's get into it. First thing we want to talk about is Sam Horn. Because we talked about him first last show. We talked about how he was playing baseball. We thought it was great that he was getting innings. He was throwing 92 or whatever it was. I think we said at the end, as long as he doesn't get hurt, it's going to be fine. And I think he got hurt. <laughs> like, literally <laughs> the next start, uh, or his next appearance. At this point, you know what happened. He he threw a pitch about after an inning into his into a set and he pointed to his arm and he walked off and everyone was like, Oh my God, is that a UCL? Is that Tommy John? Like, well, you know, what could it possibly be? And that's fine, right? We're in Missouri. We can't have nice things. Your mind tends to jump to that sort of thing. And I'll be frank. I was kind of nervous too. It's not all that often. You see a pitcher point to his arm and walk off and things turn out all right. But apparently it was just a sprain of some sort. He is practicing with the football team. We have proof that he is. So, uh, he might not be in contact, but he is at least throwing the ball around. Uh, he is with the playbook, with Kirby Moore's playbook. He is getting reps with the team. So, whew, BK, bullet dodged, am I right? Yeah, uh, big time. And this is one of those things where, like, 
if he wasn't a legitimate prospect in baseball, if I was Eli Drinkwitz, I'd be like, yeah, you're not playing anymore. That's it. Uh, you're done. We're shutting you down. We're just going to keep with this football thing, and you're almost kind of important for the football thing. Unfortunately, he's like a really good baseball player, and part of the reason why he came to Missouri was the opportunity to play baseball. Uh. And so you can't really then say afterwards, like, hey, we know you kind of came here for the opportunity to do both, but we'd prefer you not do the other. <laughs> so I, I get why they're going about it this way. It just makes things very difficult in this part of the season for Eli Drinkwitz and for Mizzou football fans. Because let's be honest, the reason why we talk about Sam Horn is not because of what he's doing on the baseball field, even though it's cool and he seems to be very good at it. We talk about it because of what he could be on the football field, and that is potentially going to be impacted by what happens on the baseball field. I do wonder what would happen if we are in a world where Sam Horn is QB1. I don't know if there have been conversations like, hey, if you are the best quarterback on the roster, we need you to focus on football itself. Uh, or if he becomes, I mean, I don't know if this is something that's possible, or if he becomes like a starting pitcher from for the baseball team. Like, is there a level of success or playing time that would stipulate that, hey, you have to pick one over the other? I don't know. I'm just asking it out loud. But hey. I, I don't think so, because because he's a legitimate prospect on the baseball field, I think it would be similar to like what you saw with Jameis Winston at Florida State sure. and what you saw with Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. I, I think he would continue playing baseball. Yeah. I'm, I'm all for it. I like the kid, you know, multi-sport kids, and, and I want them to enjoy their college uh, careers, whether that's one sport or two sports. But the risk you run is what we saw. And, you know, if you, if you don't have those spring practices, uh, those bullpen sessions uh, throughout the winter, you know, a little rusty, and you start throwing 93, 94, sometimes these things happen. So um, Bullet dodged, as we said. He seems to be okay. He'll continue to play with the, with the baseball team. He'll continue to practice with the football team uh, until the black and gold game in mid-March. And then we'll just kind of see what happens. But, uh, yeah, hey, Missouri fans, you know, we, we complain so much about rotten luck of our teams. And let's – and then we're not done, but let's 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 appreciate the fact that it was not as bad as we all thought it was going to be the second we heard the news drop and that at least so far he's doing okay. Uh, along the lines of good news, the good things that have happened, we did get a commitment. Yay, go Tigers, number one. So, BK, this is this is funny because it's like the third straight year that the Missouri football team kicks off its recruiting class with an in-state tight end. And not only is this an in-state tight end, this is a legacy uh, recruit. His, his name is Whit Hafer. His dad was on the basketball team. He's from Joplin, Missouri. He's the 17th best player in the state. 6'7", 230 as a 17-year-old Yowza. Uh and he seems to be more in line of the tight ends that we are used to with the Drinkwitz regime. BK, you you watched this tape. You wrote the piece. Tell me about Whit Hafer. He's an ass kicker in the running game, and that's pretty much where he's at right now. Like, his size tells you what he's all about. Is he going to eventually become somebody who can help you in the passing game? It's possible. I, I mean, he's a huge target. He's 6'7". Um, but... I think the expectation, especially early on in his Mizzou career, is just as simple as, like, he's going to come in, he's going to play on running downs, and he's going to help you, like, seal off the edge in the running game. It, like, we think Logan Christofferson, big dude, mm -hmm. right? 6'6", 225. Mm -hmm. He's smaller than Hafer is as a high school junior. <laughs> so, like, it, he's... It, 
another one, Ryan Horskamp, my, my mm-hmm. boy. Uh, he's 6'4", 225, and looked really large in high school. He's three inches and five pounds smaller than what Afer is already. Even Norfleet, who is, again, a massive human being, 6'7", but more narrow and at 225. It, th- this is one of the larger individuals that you will see that is not a offensive or defensive lineman. Um, I'm really excited to see him in a Mizzou uniform, but it's not one of those sexy pickups just because, like, while he does technically play a skill position, it's not your Alberto type of tight end, to say the least. I mean, God, he's a he's a couple waffles away from being an offensive tackle, you know? Like, I, I don't know if there's going to be— When I first started watching him, I was wondering, like, is this a guy they would consider transitioning to offensive tackle? I, I don't think so. I think he's— I don't think he has the frame to be able to get there. I think he's like Daniel Parker. Mm. Yeah. Where it's like he's he's too small to be an offensive lineman, and he's probably not athletic enough to be like a legit pass catcher, but he's somewhere in between the two. Well, his dad was an awesome basketball player. I God, I remember watching him. Um, so like this is this is kind of cool. I like these kind of uh, these stories, these legacy recruits. Um, but yeah, you know, the the good thing for Wit. It's like, man, you don't have to do anything immediately. <laughs> you know, we got, you still have Tyler Stevens could come back uh, in 2024. You, you have Ryan Horsecamp, Gavin McKay, stickly, technically still around. Max Wisner, of course, he just showed up. Brad Norfleet, he just short, showed up. So, like, there's a lot of tight ends. And Portal can do wacky stuff, but, like, there is no pressure for him to show up in well, 2024 and have to, to, to contribute immediately, at least at this point. So... You know, if he's got to fill out, if he's got to you know cut the weight or get built back up, uh, in the gun club, like he's got time to do that. But yes, yeah, six seven, God, that is that is just a gigantic human being. Um, I, I mean, just for reference, I mean, the biggest offensive lineman that we currently have on the roster, like that's already on on campus and everything there, Javon Foster six six. That that's yeah. the tallest dude we got. So like, uh, yeah, that's uh that's a big boy. That's a big boy. And I feel like we've talked about this before. I feel like if Whit Haver was a Gary Pinkle commitment, he would absolutely be an offensive tackle, right? Like they would find a way to put him put him in that position. But as it is, Eli Drinkwitz loves him some six-man blockers, as we saw with Armand Mimbu this past year. So Yeah, he's going to have the Mimbu role. In three years, mm-hmm. that's going to be yeah. his role, 100%. Yeah. So congratulations to Whit. That's fantastic. Uh, very excited for you to be committed to our school. Can't wait to see you on campus in a couple of years. Uh, so let's move on to the current. Before we move on real yes. quick, I'm just going to do a quick over under. Oh, boy. I don't remember what Justin Britt was listed at in high school. <laughs> over or under what Hafer is currently listed at for Justin Britt. Oh, he was bigger than I thought I in think, high school. I think Justin Britt was like. 270 so i'm going to say that Whit yeah. hafer is under on weight but taller yeah he's so brit was 65 but he was listed at 265 for some reason huh. in my mind he was smaller than that i remember him like having to put on a decent amount of weight yeah. which i mean he did he put on probably 35 pounds but um i thought he was smaller than that for some reason okay carrying on well i mean you know that is why he was injured 2012 because he was playing a lot bigger than what he was used to um yeah, I I remember him being skinny too. But yeah. Oh. Hey, he was great. Whit Hafer, go be great too. 
Um, right. So one of the best things about spring football, number one, you don't learn anything. You get to talk about it, but you don't get to learn anything. Um, <laughs> we talk about, oh, position battles, this and that. I'm like, yeah, I think it's great. It's, it's cool to see who gets lined up with what, but nothing gets decided in spring. The other thing that spring is good for is, is fake motivation, right? And one of the, the, the key things of the Eli Drinkwitz regime is that they kind of light a fire under their new guys and they have to perform in practice to earn their number. And, of course, we're a can full of days into spring practice, and so we've got some numbers that got handed out. And, in fact, one of them earned him on the very first freaking day. Sidney Williams, Florida State safety, he got his number three very first practice. So congratulations, Sydney. The other three who have gotten names, uh, Theo Weiss, the Oklahoma transfer. The We've kind of said he's got a, the, the trade-in for the trade-out of Towski Dove. Uh, Theo Weiss continues his as- assumption of the Theo, of the Towski Dove role sure. by wearing number one, which is what Towski Dove wore last year. So uh, your your outside Z receiver, which is what Towski was last year, uh, he wore number one. Theo Weiss will be wearing number one as well. You got the uh, you got Tristan Newsom, the JUCO linebacker prospect who came in. He's wearing number fourteen, uh, which BK. I'm assuming you hate that, right? Do you you don't like linebackers wearing skinny numbers like that, do you? Oh no, I'm good you with are? it. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good with that. I don't like quarterbacks wearing twenty one, right. but I'm fine with linebackers wearing whatever. What what? You don't like uh, defensive linemen wearing uh, like thirty numbers, right? No, it's really just the quarterback. really just the quarterback. <laughs> Man. Other than that, I don't really mind. Like the the number choices don't really bother me for the most part. Just about any other position, but quarterbacks wearing twenty one, I have a problem with. I don't like that at all. Oh. That that one really like grinds my gears. Everything else, I'm Good. pretty okay with. I love it. Also, I want a safety to wear number fifty four or something like that. Just just to make it weird. Now that's just ugly. That would just be a poor <laughs> choice. Not poor. because it's like a problem, but just a poor choice. Yeah, that'd be very weird to see. Uh, but yeah, I do like the trend of like the best players on your team wearing the lowest numbers. I I kind of I kind of it's very soccer ish of them. And baseball is the same yeah, way. I I I'm mixed mixed feelings on that. Um, I like when you have unique numbers being good. Like you know, go back through Missouri football history in your mind. And think of like some of your your best players, like William Moore wore number one. We know that. Well, Damian Washington wore number two. But like, do you can you think of a guy who was awesome who wore number forty? Like Norris Stevenson um, from nineteen fifty eight to nineteen sixty. If you gave me enough time, I was about to say if you give me enough time, yeah. maybe. Or like you know, go back to you know, I like Chase Coffin wore forty five. That's a number that not a lot of people wear. It's kind of weird. That's a yeah. That's a good good get. Yeah, you know, Andrew Wilson was forty eight, Michael Sam was fifty two, like I like it when uh, numbers that aren't sexy, aren't cool, are have like really good players. Well, Michael Sam would have Michael Sam would have looked so much better in like I don't know number nine coming oh, off of for, the edge. Dude, for sure, it looks bad. Be- I'm not arguing with the optics. <laughs> I'm saying there's a part of me that likes funky numbers being good. And when you when you do sure. this, where you having your own identity within yeah, that number. when you promote your best players to the same number, it's like oh okay, we, we've had a good number seven, right? We've had a good number yeah. six, and so eh, whatever. Um, but yeah, I I do like that too. It does seem like I said it's very soccerish or baseball as you as you put it, and it's it's cool. It's it's rewarding your your good players, and I, I like that. Um, so anyway, Tristan News at fourteen. Welcome to Mizzou. And then we're speaking Shit. of old players. Joe Moore the third, 
he gets number 45, which I don't know if you remember, but his dad, Joe Moore, the running back, also wore 45, which I thought was kind of cool. Now, I know you said this because I have it on recording. You didn't like the fact that DJ Westlake was wearing 45. Well, I think it's going to change because now Joe Moore, who also is on defense, is 45. So um, we'll see. But I don't know. Those are your your first four guys to win numbers. A safety, a transfer yeah. safety, a transfer receiver, a JUCO linebacker, and a transfer defensive lineman. Does that, other than the fact that freshmen aren't on campus, does that say anything to you? So, I mean, typically the way that you can read into this is, like, guys that have really just come in and hit the ground running, right, for lack of a better phrase. Weiss doesn't surprise me. Moore doesn't surprise me. I think we kind of know exactly what both of those players are going to be. You mentioned it with Weiss. Like, uh, imagine what you have seen from that X role in Mizzou's offense over the last few years and just, like, plop him in there. He's really fast. He runs very linear linear routes. Like, that's who he's going to be. He's going to run deep. And you're going to hope that you hit him on a post route a few different times. Cool. You know who he is. Uh, Joe Moore. Really nice edge-setting defensive end. Nothing more, nothing less. That's just who he is. The two guys that are kind of standing out to me in this category are Tristan Newsom, who I just have to be totally honest with you. I have a blind spot with Juco. I, I, don't, I don't know how to evaluate uh-huh. him. Um, last year, I was not impressed at all with DJ Coleman on film when I watched him. And then he came to Mizzou was like, wait, this guy's awesome. <laughs> he is just terrorizing people coming off of the edge. He is really strong, and he never lets up in the passing game. He has this crazy motor, and he makes those around him better. And everybody on the team said he's the toughest dude on the squad. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's so hard to find that on the Juco film. So I credit the coaching staff for being able to do that. I was not impressed at all with Newsom on film. I don't know if that means that he's bad. I would say that it probably means very little. And the fact that he has a number this early doesn't mean everything. It might mean something, though. It might be worth monitoring. And Mizzou could really use another linebacker to step up behind Hopper and Bailey. So oh, no. if he could be that guy, that'd be super cool. And then on Sidney Williams, I kind of liked what I saw from him at Florida State. Like, not a perfect player, but kind of rangy and long and just kind of fun to watch on film the problem is man how do you get him snaps in this defense no idea. <laughs> because you are loaded for the first time honestly and as long as i can remember you go like legitimately six deep maybe seven deep in the defensive backfield with guys that you legitimately trust going into the season like having already seen them do it at this level mm-hmm. so I don't know how you get him snaps, but I like Sidney Williams, and I'm excited to see what he can do if and when he does get on the field. Absolutely. Uh, Tristan Newsom, by the way, was the defensive player of the year in his JUCO conference last year. Uh, over nine games, he had 107 tackles, nine tackles for loss, two sacks, four passes broken up, three interceptions, and four forced fumbles. The dude is a havoc machine. And we know that Blake Baker loves havocy linebackers. So I uh-huh. think he plays or he's shown a style of play that really gets Blake Baker going and definitely fits in this kind of scheme. So it kind of seems like it's you know, fish to water. He just fits in really well and he can make some plays. Again, very similarly, how do you get him on the field? You have Tyrod Hopper coming back. You have Chad Bailey coming back. You basically only play three linebackers uh, for two spots. 
Now, does that doesn't mean pe- guys can't push for playing time or anything like that, but you're going to have to have him, I guess, be a spell linebacker if Hopper or, or Bailey are out or injured. Um, so, I mean, there there is a route for him, and it is cool that he is the, the you know one of the first four to get his number. But man, it was just Hopper and Bailey last year, and I know there's a little bit of injury luck. Bailey only missed two games, but like, kind of, kind of want to go with Hopper and Bailey as much as you can, even if he is pretty good, you know. I don't want to like step on another thing that we're going to talk about. Maybe we can just go there right now. Mm. But one other thing that I would add to this conversation, I find it really hilarious that Marcellus Johnson is like legitimately competing right now for a starting spot on the offensive line. And I'm I'm 99% sure we'll be handed one of the starting spots because he deserves it because he's one of the best five offensive linemen. And yet he wasn't one of the players that was immediately awarded a number. Like they've got him running with the ones. But nah, you don't have your number yet, man. <laughs> That's just really funny to me. That is a good point. Now, spring is young. It could still happen, but uh, that's a solid point. My dude's just out here running around with no, no number. number as a starter, <laughs> a starting member of the offense. <laughs> and like Luke Griffin's out here with 54 and Marcellus man. Johnson's like, yo, I don't got a number yet. <laughs> uh, that is a good point. Before we get to the offensive line, though, I want to hit the injuries real quick, and this might explain some of it, too. Injuries. Xavier Simmons, who a lot of people were very impressed with last spring, he is out all spring with an injury. Uh, Chance Looper, the receiver, who missed all last year with a blood clot, still out for spring practices, recovering from that blood clot. Scary stuff. Hope he's doing well. Brady Cook is limited with no contact because of the torn labrum and the surgery that went with correcting that. Of course, Sam Horn, as we talked about, also limited for his uh, forearm strain, but he is throwing passes. He is out there, which is good. And then EJ Ndoma Ogar uh, on the line. He is limited, as is Travez Johnson, the uh, transfer corner from Florida. So you got a couple guys who are limited or just flat out. Linebackers out, receivers out. But for the most part, we've been doing pretty well. No catastrophic injuries so far. Knock wood, knock every single piece of wood you can find. Everyone else seems to be taking it pretty slow. So let's talk about the offensive line here real quick. You mentioned Marcellus Johnson. He is competing where? Right tackle. Right tackle. So despite the fact that there's a guy on the team who has taken, what did we say? 2,173 snaps at left tackle. Buddy, time to look in the mirror and do it on the right-hand side because we have Javon Foster who's taken 1,962 snaps. Uh, so he will be battling out on the right side for center. Uh, Eli Drinkwitz said it's a competition between Polgar, Tolleson, and Heismeyer, which, duh, those are your only three centers on the roster. Thank you for illuminating that. This is my favorite. Armand Mimbu slotted in at right guard, at least for the spring. Uh, EJ Ndoma Ogar was a possibility at left guard before he was limited in some of his practices. So, BK, your offensive line, potential offensive line, in my mind anyway, is left to right, Foster, Ndoma Ogar, Polgar, Mimbu, Johnson. How does that feel? Um, I It feels okay. I just, I'm very curious to see what it looks like with Mimbu at guard. Um, I liked Mimbu a lot last year. I wonder if he ends up being better on the 
outside. That that's really my big question with him is just like where where does he fit better? Because I think Marcellus Johnson can fit either at guard or tackle. Um, and I do think one of the reasons why he ended up at Mizzou is because he wanted to show the versatility to play other spots. So whether that be right tackle or right guard, um, or even left guard, honestly, like just somewhere other than left tackle, because I don't think he's going to be playing left tackle in the NFL. Um, I think that's part of why he's at Mizzou is to show that he can do that at the best in the best conference in the country. I, I think that it's really about getting those best five. And that's where I, I hope that they end up kind of playing around with what the best formation of that five is. Maybe that includes Marcellus Johnson at, like, right guard, Mimbu at right tackle, and eventually, whenever he's healthy, EJ and Doma Ogar at left guard. I, I don't know how specifically it's going to be formatted, but I, I think it does include Foster, Johnson, Mimbu in some capacity as three. Center is just still, to me, dude, such a big question. Yeah. I... I I I I like Connor Tolleson. I hope that he ends up becoming a great player at Mizzou, but he was not ready last uh-huh. year to be a starting center in the SEC. That's not a shot against him. Most guys aren't in the spot that he was at last year, and he was way too small. He needs to get bigger. He needs to get stronger to be able to go up against the defensive lineman he's going to see. Is Bincy Polger that guy? Maybe. I, I We just don't know. So I, I wasn't super thrilled with what, he saw, what I saw from him at Buffalo. I, I just thought he was okay. Um, so that that's the spot that really concerns me the most right now. But if you're okay, if you're pretty good around it, then you can make up for one bad spot. Yeah, I mean the the benefit of how do you feel about it? The the benefit of Polgar is that he is four years older and thirty six pounds heavier than Tolleson. Absolutely. Um, that weight, weight, age, and weight aren't everything in football, but it certainly helps. Uh, since Connor Tolleson was running around at uh, a reported two eighty seven for all of last year, so. That's that's not that's not going to win you on the line of scrimmage. I here's my thing with the offensive line, and I'm really the the season is young in the course. There's another portal season coming up, but like Missouri fixed the defensive line issues last year. Well, by number one getting rid of the DC, number two promoting a guy who actually understood how to coach defensive line, but then really throwing a ton of transfers at the problem bringing in five guys and say, well, some of you are going to stick, some of you ain't, but we're going to figure out what it is. They just threw numbers at the problem, and it worked. And I'm not saying it's always going to work like that, but they have brought in nobody other than Marcellus Johnson. They brought in no one else on the offensive line, just one guy, one guy. And so by actions, I know they were looking at that Miami center, but like by their actions – it seems like this staff is content with the 16 guys they have on the offensive line right now. And looking at how those guys performed last year, specifically five of them, it seems kind of weird, don't you think, BK? It is. It's a little surprising. I think it's just like they, they have a lot of numbers on the offensive line. And I do wonder if that's something where they just ran into a situation where they're like, hey, we, we can't really take another like scholarship or two here. I I don't know. They also may have just wanted to see what these guys look like in spring. And then if they find out that their internal options aren't good enough, they can always go back to the portal after spring practice and go get somebody else. Right. Um, That's always a possibility. But right now I am, I would say cautiously optimistic for up to four spots on the offensive line. And I'm, 
On a scale of one to ten, like a five, but concerned nonetheless about center. I get that. I get that. I you have options at both guard spots. You have options at tackle. You just don't have a uh-huh. lot of options at center. And the one guy I think they will be better than they were last year on the offensive. Why? Line. I'm confident Why? of that. Because of Johnson. Because of Johnson and, and okay. that's like I, I think Johnson comes in and is immediately one of your two best offensive linemen. Well, okay. I think he's a good player. I, I I don't doubt he's a good player. I liked what I saw from his Eastern Michigan film. I mean, I don't know if Connor Wood was the best tackle. He, his towel was that he could play tackle and guard, and he kind of kept getting bounced Is out it? to tackle. But that, again, we go back to the same question. Best at a position or your best five? And I feel like Wood was the answer for your best five because he could do a lot of different things. Um, so I, I, I don't know what the answer is. But, yes, you have to find a center. And, you know, if Indoma Ogar stays injured or Mimbu isn't your guy, guess what? You still have Xavier Delgado. Like, in your ladder match, he's the, you know, he's the second-to-last boss who never gets beat. He's not he's not going to blow you away. You can find a way to beat him, but he's very, very consistent, and he's got 17, almost 1,800 snaps uh, to his name, as well as uh, f- uh, 28 starts over 45 games. So, like, worst comes to worst, you got replacement-level guard who can, who can slide in and, and play, too. So... I think they're okay, but I said that last year, and look what happened. I, I just, I am not blaming Connor Tolson because I am with you. I think he's going to be a good player. I hope he's a good player, but you can't put a redshirt freshman who is under 290 pounds in the middle of your line and expect for things to go well in the SEC. And that was the point of attack was a problem. He seems to know the calls. He seems to know how to call protections. He's got that part down. Coaches have raved about his intelligence. He just was not physically ready. So even if you get someone who is, I don't know, just a bigger dude, I kind of feel like that makes a difference. It makes a noticeable difference. So, Bency Polgar, bud, I hope your grades are in line. I hope it cleared because I'd love to see what you can do uh, in the actual SEC play, just like uh, Mike Maetti came in from. He was a New Jersey transplant as well, and he he did pretty well as, uh, as an undersized center. So it all hinges on that. And if they don't have it, they need to go find it. Um, but, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We've got a couple of weeks left to see what the offensive line does. So no freaking out yet. Let's talk about the defensive line. Because this this was a little news item that I was curious with. Darius Robinson, noted defensive tackle. Pretty good interior lineman. Apparently, uh, he's going to be getting some snaps at edge rusher which he did get at the Wake Forest game, and he was rewarded with uh, three whole tackles. Um, but clearly, Missouri has a wealth of depth and talent on the interior and a noticeable lack of experience on the outside. So, BK, say it with me. Darius Robinson, edge rusher. How does that, how does that make you feel? This is one of those things where, like, it makes a lot of sense, and I think people are going to make more of it than what needs to be made. Because I think people are going to see it, and they're going to say, oh my god, Darius Robinson is not a pass rusher from the edge. You're right, he's not. And I don't think Missouri's going to try to make him into one. And I think that's the key distinction here, is like, they're going to give him reps at defensive end. That does not mean that they are saying that he is exclusively a defensive end. That would shock me if he just went into this season and, like, if I said right now, Nate, out of curiosity, where you're at on this, 
If I said, do you think he takes more stabs at defensive end or defensive tackle in 2023? Your answer is what? <sighs> tackle. And I don't, I'm not sure it's all that close. Like I, I think probably two-thirds of his snaps co- come from the interior, yeah. something like that. Yeah. And so the reason why I think it's worthwhile to find out what he can give you on the outside is, first of all, you know what he gives you on the interior. And you also have a bunch of other young guys on the interior that you kind of want to find out about. Like, Kai Montgomery sounds like going to be an interior player for them. Marquise Gracial, let's see what he's got. Jalen Marshall, let's find out what he's got. Guys on the team say he's massive. That checks out, given <laughs> what I saw from him on film in high school. And then you already still have coming back Williams, again, George. Like, you've got a lot of dudes along the interior. Meanwhile, if you go to the outside, you're looking at the edge. It's like the Walker brothers. You got Firestone, who... I mean, I, fine, yeah, we'll see what he's got. Arden Walker, who's fun. Johnny Walker is fun. And there's Joe Moore. You just don't have a whole lot of bodies out there. So oh, if Darius man. Robinson can give you some key contributing snaps on early downs where it there's a chance that they run it, and then on, like, running downs where it's third and short, second and short, yeah, it makes a ton of sense to put them out on the edge on those plays. So that's where I think they're at on this. That would be my guess, and I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, there are there are other... Edge rushers coming in, Ja'Kai Lane, Jordan Harris, Serene Tankara, Sam Williams, all freshmen, they're not going to see the field. That's not a thing. Yeah. So you really have, of your eight edge defenders, only four are probably going to be seeing the field. So I am fine with it. Remember, Isaiah McGuire played inside and outside the first couple of years uh, on the team. He was a, you know, he's obviously a very good defensive end. He was a pretty def- decent defensive tackle as well. So it doesn't mean, yeah, like you said, it's not all of a sudden he is Michael Sam. He's not, you know, Charles Harris. That's not what they're saying. It's he can set the edge. He can provide some outside pressure. He can be the second guy to the sack. And you can get some more, like you said, some of the other depth, maybe some of the younger guys to get on the field at the same time. So I, I like it. If he comes away with, God, if he comes away with more than four sacks, I would be shocked. As an edge rusher, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, especially I'll take the heavy under. Yeah, like for his career, he has what four and a half. So, yeah, he's not he's not going to be breaking any records there. But that's not the point. It's taking the snaps. It's being able to function on the outside. That's all it is. And Darius is a team player. He'll do that. And I think he'll do fine. But and, and I actually like Nate. The, the funny thing about this. I think it can actually be really smart for them to do it. Like, not Uh just something that you do because you can, but where it becomes really smart. Because similar to what we said about the best five on the offensive line and not getting so honed into, okay, this is our right tackle. Yeah. Now, do we have a guard? (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, okay, then should we reconsider? Maybe, Maybe the right tackle is actually a guard and we get our best five on the field. It's similar to that on the defensive line. Your best four in running down situations where you're wanting to stop the run almost certainly includes Darius Robinson. Your best four also probably includes Darius Robinson on the edge Mm -hmm. because you're probably going to want Christian Williams on the field in such a scenario, and you probably want Reales George plugging up the middle of the field as well. So then you put probably Joe Moore and Darius Robinson on the outside. It's kind of, you remember the NASCAR, the candy package that they used to call it? Mm -hmm. It's the reverse of that. Yeah. Like, instead of taking a defensive end and moving them inside to rush at the defensive tackle position, now you're taking a defensive tackle and putting them out at edge because they're athletic and they defend the run really well. That's what they're doing with Darius Robinson. I think it's smart. Yeah, me too. 
Yes, sir. If they try to do too much with it, that's when we can be critical. But right yeah. now, I don't think that's going to be the case. So Candy was Shane Ray on the outside, Coney Ely on the inside, Michael Sam yep. on the outside. Was it Matt Hoke? No, it was Lucas Vincent. Was it Brantley? You're right. It was Brantley, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it Harold Brantley it was in Brantley. there at that point? Yeah. It was Brantley. Man, that was a good defensive line. Very good. Damn. And hey, remember, Josh Landry played on the outside, too, against Wake Forest. He was an edge rusher, too. Again, not like the Michael Sam type, but, you know, just he could play on the outside. So mm-hmm. they got some options. And if you want to get your best I bet you Jalen Marshall gets some snaps out there as well. He played some D-end in high school. You're right. So yeah. I could see him getting some some opportunities out there later on as well. Absolutely. Appreciate the positionless football, right? Like, you're not a defensive end, you're not a defensive tackle, you're a defensive lineman, okay? That's what you are. Can I tell you one other thing that I'd like to see? What's that? Let's try Tristan Newsom out at edge rusher. <laughs> like, if he's going to be this have a career, I'm, I'm kind of serious. Like, put him out there, and they did some stuff where it kind of looked 3-4-ish mm-hmm. at times last year where they're just basically standing up a defensive end mm-hmm. and calling him a, a linebacker. Like, see what Newsom looks at in those spots. If you're going to do this and you're going to be willing to kind of move guys all around, yeah, let, let's see what it looks like with some of your linebackers potentially getting opportunities there. Or, or Tyron Hopper. He was a guy that was amazing last year when it came to his blisses. Maybe he gets more opportunities as a pass rusher. If you're going to have to create the pass rush more than just leaning on your front four this year, they've got options to be able to make that happen. It's a shame he's missing spring because Xavier Simmons was a recruit that I really liked from the 2022 class. And then he showed up on campus at 6'2", 241. I was like, damn, that guy's got to be an end. So he is he's going to miss all summer or sorry, all spring practices. But I wonder over the summer, you know, is that something that he could trans, transition to? End? I don't know. You got you got options. But for now, you got a very talented group of defensive tackles. Get him on the field. Let him do some run stuff and let him do some yeah, find a way to make havoc. That's all Blake Baker's going to do. Uh, and then really the last kind of bits of bits of Bob's news here. Drinkwitz talked about the running back battle. He mentioned Schrader, Pete, and Jones, which, duh, yeah, those are your three guys. Shamirian Wayne, uh, he of the Aaron O'Neill number 25 jersey uh, for a St. Louis defender. Well, he's back at receiver now. Uh, cannot really see the field as a safety last year. Certainly not going to see the field as a safety this year. So he's going back to receiver, which I would argue that's where he should have always been, but, you know, whatever. But, uh... And then BK... Eli Drinkwitz listens to the show. The reason I know this is because Luther Burden is now a slot receiver. On a scale from 1 to 100, how happy does that make you? 100. It made all the sense in the world. He always should have been a slot receiver. The only reason he wasn't last year is because you had, like, one of the best slot receivers in the country playing out of the slot. He's really good there, man. And he's going to be so much better in this offense. Like, when I watched Kirby Moore's offense uh, at Fresno State, my, I, we talked about it afterwards. The number one takeaway that I had was, hey, man, if they put Luther Burden in sure. the slot, he's going to eat. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is literally handmade for somebody with Luther Burden's skill set because he's got this slot receiver just running these deep overs and running in-breaking routes and running bubble screens. Like He's manufacturing touches for his slot receiver regularly. Enters at Luther Burden. Okay. It, it's, it is the perfect situation for him, and I'm very excited to see what that ends up looking like, but it, it makes all the sense in the world. Me too. Very excited. And you know, you don't have... I'm glad they didn't overthink it, because yeah. sometimes they do with this stuff. Coaches are just like, ah, we'll make this work. 
Burden's a really good player. He'll figure it out outside. No, just make it easier on him. Yeah. Like, get your best player in positions to succeed. I think that was always the benefit of bringing in Kirby Moore, a guy who has, you know, a similar book, maybe a similar style, but just fresh eyes. And someone who's not afraid of saying, you know, well, just because you've done it this way, it doesn't mean we can't change it up. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I, it makes all the sense in the world. And I, I don't, I'm not saying he's going to make the Dom leap, but like, that's, that's the kind of move you want to see to put that type of receiver into a position to to succeed. So uh, we got the outside, we got the slot. Find a guy you can run the opposite side, and buddy, you're going to have very interesting receiving core this year. So, so Luther Burden last year, Nate uh-huh. finished the season with 45 catches for 375 yards. God, I forgot Just the how most bad his yards inefficient were. receiver in the world. <laughs> yep, just terrible. Um. Over or under 45 receptions for him this year? I'm going to say over. I'm going to say over. I think he goes over. Yeah. I think he goes over as well. I think he gets to like 60 this year. Uh, he had 375 yards last year. <laughs> that's terrible. That's not he's, he's going to be better than that this season. Terrible. If he doesn't, I, man, something went horribly awry and Mizzou's going to be bad. Like, there's just no way around that. Also, don't forget 74 targets. The second yeah. most targeted receiver on the team had a 60.8% catch rate and averaged 5.1 yards per, ta- per target. That is bad. Bad, 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 bad. That's not good. Bad. Dominic Lovett had 845 yards last year. By himself. By himself. And like 70 uh, catches, is that right? I forget. Uh, 55, 56, 56 actually on the season. Okay. Um, would you go over or under, let's say, 600 yards next year for Luther Burden? That's a good number. I'll say over. No, I'm going to say under because they do those crappy little screens that actually are runs. Because <laughs> he had like 18 rushes and 88 yards, and like half of those I swore were passes, but they got targeted, uh, chalked up to runs. So I'm going to say under, but I think total yards. So last year he had 88 yards in the ground, 375 uh, through the air. I think his total yards goes over, well, let's just say 650. Okay, Aaron Ground. Uh, I'll I'll take the over as well. I I think he's going to be your clear cut, obvious, no doubt about it, number one wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I I think he's going to have a monster season. Everything that people expected from Luther Burden last year, I think people were just one one year ahead. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm with you. Like the Dom leap is a lot to ask for because Lovett was one of the best wide receivers in the country, and I don't know if it's fair to expect that out of anybody. But something resembling that, I think, is coming for Luther Burden. I agree. And hey, man, I know he's a bad guy now, but Luther, if you want to work out with Dom and kind of pick his brain on how he do it, I'm okay with that. God, he was so good. God, he was so good. I feel like I didn't appreciate him enough last year. Yeah. I just rely. I just expected him to be good, and he was. So I'm sorry, Dom. If you left because of me, I'm sorry. Come back. <laughs> No, JK, you're you're bad now. I don't like you. Uh that is that all the news that was all news and notes. Uh BK, that's the show. Any final thoughts? I don't think so, man. Um if you would like to listen to Eli Drinkwitz talk about football, kinda. I mean, it's spring football, so like there's not a lot there. But one oh one ESPN, he was on the morning show today, uh, with 
the with our friends on 101 ESPN, our morning show. So you can check that out there. He, I'll be totally honest with you guys, didn't say a whole lot. Um, he talked but, about basketball half the time, so you know that's kind yeah. of where he's at. Uh, but yeah, yeah, plug for 101. Yeah. Go your day job rocks. You should go listen to BK. He's, He's good. Yeah, please do. It, it, it's a fun job. Um, it, he is at the position right now, Eli Drinkwitz is, where he says, I'm excited about our team. Of course. That's where they're at. Of course it is. You know what? It's better than not being excited for your team, which. That's true. <laughs> which I think if you had truth serum from him about three years ago, I think that would have been the answer. Uh, or hell, even last year. Well, who knows? But he's excited, we're excited, you're excited. That's the show for today. As always, we appreciate the downloads and the subscriptions. You can leave a comment or rate us. We love all types of feedback from you all. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Nate G. Edwards. He is at BK Sports Talk. And of course, you can follow the Rockin' Flagship at Rockin' Nation. We appreciate you tuning in this time. We'll do better next time. And until then, M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Z-O-U.